morning, good afternoon, good, good evening, depending on when and where you're listening. Regardless, thank you for listening. The show is NXT Talk. This is where we talk about all things NXT. We're your hosts. I'm Boris. And as always, I'm joined by the one, the only, the soon-to-be double-vaxxed, the Matt. <laughs> Bonjour! How's everybody doing out there? We hope you're doing well. Boris, uh, they said that this NXT, it was kind of like Vince Russo's pro wrestling. And I thought that was a little harsh. I thought that was too hard. And then this week's episode started with a kidnapping. Yes, an adult <laughs> napping, a a group napping. We're going to be talking about that. And when I say group napping, doesn't mean I don't mean it in the fun way. I mean it in the what the hell's. You know what the best <laughs> part of that is? That's the last time we're going to see Hit Row on NXT TV. I didn't even consider that. You <laughs> might be right. That's absolutely insane. But yeah, man, lots going on in the world of NXT. Lots going on in the world of wrestling. We're here to talk about it. Boris, how you doing today, big homie? Dude, I am doing fan freaking tastic. So much better than last week. You can probably even tell nice. in my voice, in my excitement, in my everything. I'm back. I'm ready. I'm running at about 80%. On a good day, I'm at about 85%. So I'm almost there. Right. <laughs> right on. Almost at peak Boris ability, yep, which is in the low to mid 80s. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, dude. So we have a lot to chat about. We're going to be chatting fantasy takeover cards. We are going to be chatting all things uh, NXT TV from October 12th, 2021. And then we're going to be jumping across the pond. And we're going to be chatting about our favorite hour of WWE TV every week as we talk NXT TV, NXT UK TV on NXT UK Corner. How does that sound? Sounds great, man. There was an awesome main event in uh, NXT UK. Actually, a pretty good main event uh, on NXT 2.0 here stateside as well. Do not. Are you are you trying to get me pissed off before we get started? <laughs> well, you got to get your dander up, buddy. You got to come in hot. Oh, <laughs> you're lucky I'm even doing this show today. <laughs> oh, that's funny. The disrespect. The disrespect on Legado. It's it's disgusting. I... Oh, oh. You are disgusted. You are scoffing right now. But yeah, there is lots to talk about. Uh, as as uh, we'll just uh, briefly get into this, as you mentioned off the top, I am uh, getting the old second dose. I, I I've been slacking on it. Not that I'm like anti-vax at all. Not you know what I mean. You, you vaccination, whatever. Like, but yeah. So in uh, in Ontario, I think we can all agree. Uh, that the current leadership is uh, maybe lacking a little bit. And uh, I think the Ontario rollout for the vaccine has been pretty terrible. I had a appointment canceled on me in September and they just basically said, yeah, go to a pharmacy or rebook this appointment sooner. And uh, yeah, so I just, I just been slacking on it, but yeah, it's time for us. We're going to get it done. I'm going to start going out to events and such. And I, you know, I just want to, you want to be healthy and do your part and try yeah. to whatever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So before we even go into anything else i want to apologize for getting the episode out a little later i've been really sick the past week not covid it's all good got the negative you know another another negative test high five matt 
Hey, hey, hey. boy. <laughs> no, but like, yeah, so, you know, we've just been a little careful. I've been trying to nap. I've been trying to, you know, not stay up too late. Um, so, yeah, we've been moving the recordings to Wednesday morning. And then this morning, real life took over. Um, and uh, here we are. We're recording, you know, late morning. Going to get you the episode as soon as we humanly can. Well, t- clearly, because you are listening to it right now. But enough of that enough of that bs talk let's get right into it because we have tons of wrestling to go to and for those people who are wondering why don't you talk about your personal lives or whatever that's all for bam we usually leave that to bam when we can um you know we try to mix it up here and there between the two shows but this week uh, there's a lot to talk about because we put up a challenge actually i put up a challenge because i said there's no effing way that this current roster can have a takeover card. And boy, oh boy, was I proven wrong. Um, So, you know, this started between a challenge between Matt and myself, and then we got the rest of the Facebook group involved. We got some pretty good responses, some pretty cool responses, so let's talk about some of them. But before we talk about what the face group put up, let's talk about our own cards. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we tried to make a semi-realistic NXT takeover card for an upcoming show uh, that that could theoretically happen. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be like crazy elaborate dream matches or like just things that you could actually see WWE pulling off within the next, you know, six weeks to two months away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so uh, I, I think that with survivor series coming in the past, NXT has done a war games takeover. So fitting with that motif, I think they could hit a pretty strong takeover war games. And the card that I, uh, the card that I proposed was, uh, so the War Games match would be Legato versus Hit Row. It would be the first ever mixed War Games match. Uh, theoretically, I think the women would have to come in last. Uh, probably the heels obviously always get the advantage, but that's okay because on numerous occasions we've seen Mrs. Carmen San Diego beat the shit out of some baby faces. So I think that would work well, Electra Lopez. So yeah, I think a mixed War Games match could be a really interesting match NXT could put on. Also, on this card, you would have to have Chompa versus Breaker would have to be on there. You'd have to have a UK title match because you have Dragunov. He can have five-star, as they say, matches. I would put Dragunov versus Pete Dunne on the card, and Dragunov could avenge his loss to Pete Dunne on NXT TV back when Triple H was running the show. Um, Another match that I would have, you'd have to have the women's title on the line, Boris. They want to get the title to Mandy Rose, but I don't think Mandy Rose should pin Raquel. So, fatal four-way, Mandy Rose, Raquel, and Io and Zoe. That's where you have Io go heel on Zoe, or or maybe not directly, but kind of, like you know what I mean? You know that Io doesn't like her, and, and in the shenanigans, Mandy Rose can pin, hopefully, Zoe Stark, maybe Io Shirai, but definitely not Raquel. To win the women's You know what's funny? That even last night's show kind of hinted at this because as she's, Io was telling, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. She turns to Stark and was about to say, I hate you too, but Stark stopped her. So I like how they're kind of playing off of that. Anyways, continue. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I would also work on a tag team, uh, NXT tag team title match. I think MSK versus Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams could be interesting. Carmelo Hayes going for all the gold himself in NXT could be a fun story. Now that Boris, he is your NXT North American champion. Uh-huh. Keep going. Uh, I think that was my card. Was that right. on my five? I, think, I don't know. I think I rattled right. off my five. So I think our cards are kind of similar. And to be honest, I did not look at anything. I just saw the post and I just let it happen. Um, so 
it's kind of funny that we have some of the same matches. Obviously, you know, we watch this product week over week, so we kind of have an idea of where th certain things are going. But here's my card for the NXT Championship. It's going to be Braun Breaker with two Ks, and I just destroyed yes. my mic and everyone's ears saying that. Um, <laughs> Braun Breaker... Uh, against Tomasa Ciampa for the NXT Championship. Uh, for the North American Championship, we're going to have Carmelo Hayes versus Johnny Gargano. Um, for nice. the War Games match, copying your War Games match, Legado versus Hit Row, mixed gender War Games match. Um, and here's the thing, the women's titles, I would put them all on the line. Winner take all, Raquel Eo and Stark versus all of Toxic Attraction. I think that match would be awesome. And similar to you, Eo would turn on her team to give Toxic Attraction all the belts. I like that idea. Yeah. That's a good idea, man. Uh, then, I'm not just pumping my own tires because I've said it before. Yeah, of course. And then obviously, Dragunov versus Dunn because Dunn wants that UK title and because he's going to be the lone soldier but I do have a theory about where this entire story is going with uh, Von Wagner and Rich Holland leaving so we'll talk about that when we talk about the show but that is my card essentially awesome well it sounds like a pretty good show I like your card too yeah let's read a couple of the uh, the listener cards here yep. as well alright so Yorkie Paul York the man uh, he put Dragunov versus uh, Shaw Samuels. That's actually a very interesting match. Yeah, that's that's a little bit of a deep cut there on the NXT roster, but I, I on the NXT UK roster rather. But I like it. It would be interesting. Yep. Uh, Champa versus Grimes. I love the fact that both of us did not add Grimes to this to our cards. Yeah, it's uh, sad. We couldn't find room for the great Cameron Grimes. He is still one of the best characters on NXT, although he's become a lot more of a goofball and an idiot since uh, the switch over to 2.0. Yeah. Um, MSK versus Mustache Mountain. Sure, yeah. That would be a really good match. Yeah. Uh, Michael Setamora versus Ify Valkyrie versus Blair Davenport. Interesting choice to throw Ify in there as well. I would think you, you would get a lot of mileage out of just Blair versus Miko, you know? But that's that, that it's interesting. Someone's got to take the loss. Yep. And then this match is a match that I'm personally really looking forward to if it ever were to happen, and that's Pretty Deadly versus Subculture. Pretty deadly, ver deadly versus Subculture. That's definitely going to happen for yep. sure. Pretty soon down the road. I, I, I'm excited for that one as well. Yep. All right. Sean... Burkhead. He put Champa versus Walter versus Rampage Brown for the NXT Championship. Interesting. Another interesting choice to throw Rampage Brown in there. But I like that. I, that could be very, that could be cool. Man, it's scary to think the pain that Champa would go through in that match. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that poor Champa might not make it out of that match alive. Yep. All right. We have for the Tag Team Championships, MSK versus Pretty Deadly versus Grizzled Young Veterans versus Mustache Mountain. See, I like the names, but that match would be like a Young Bucks match would seem underbooked compared to that four-way. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> um, we have uh, KLR uh, versus Ginny versus Michael Satamora for the Women's Championship. Uh, uh, Sean trying to get a lot of people in on this show, trying to get some paydays. Yep. Uh, Blair Davenport, Isla Dawn, uh, Zaya Brookside versus Toxic Attraction. Now, that's a match I would pay to watch. 
<laughs> I bet you would, buddy. No, she... <laughs> no that that's uh... with Mackenzie that's, Mitchell as the special guest be... ref. <laughs> <laughs> that would be very interesting, and I do like Sean's theme of like NXT versus NXT UK here. Yeah, and then we have uh, Ilya Dragunov versus a Johnny Takeover. Nice. That, that would be that's amazing. That would be that's an awesome match. match. Yeah. Yeah, I really like. I really like this card overall. Um, yeah. All right. Let's see. Blaine. He put Walter versus Ilya Dragunov. Three stages of hell for the UK title. I love that. You know, uh, the, the, the 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 ultimate payoff. The ultimate uh, uh, rubber match, as they say. Yes, yeah, that would be very interesting. You know what would be a cool gimmick is if they did a Heritage Cup match with those guys too, although you'd only get 18 minutes. I'm not sure if they could do it in 18 minutes, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I, I love the idea. Yep. Uh, this match is something that I'm surprised we haven't seen more of, but I guess Mandy Rose has kind of taken the the front and center stage, and that's Raquel Gonzalez versus Kaylee Ray for the NXT women's title. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, it seems like they brought Kaylee Ray over and completely forgot about her. Yep. Uh, we have Tommaso Ciampa versus Kyle O'Reilly for the NXT heavyweight title. I don't think Kyle O'Reilly is going to ever sniff that belt again, unfortunately. But I, I wish I was wrong about that. Yep. Uh, we have MSK versus Mustache Mountain for the NXT tag titles. That seems to be a trend that I'm seeing. That seems to be, you know, everyone wants to see MSK and Mustache Mountain go at it. Ah, absolutely. And hey, I, I didn't mean to poo-poo the previous match, too. Ch- Ciampa versus O'Reilly would be an awesome match. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just the reality is, is Kyle O'Reilly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. He's, just he's, a sad, yeah. yeah sad, here's sad fact. <laughs> Even if he goes to AEW, he is not going to go anywhere near a title any, anytime soon. The reality is Kyle O'Reilly right now is going to be a mid-card for a really long time. Not that it's a bad thing. Not that it's a bad thing. It's just... It's a thing. You need uh, well, you need big cutters. I think his yeah, his best bet is in a tag team. Yeah, definitely. At this point, the reality is that his best bet is them reforming Red Dragon somewhere. Anyways, um, yeah. and then L.A. Knight versus Cameron Grimes versus Odyssey Jones versus Braun Breaker versus Pete Dunn versus Santos Escobar in a six-man ladder match to crown a new North American champion. Interesting. That is that that could be something. I would assume that Braun Breaker wins that on his quest to become the new Goldberg, holding every title and winning 179 straight matches. Uh, yeah, we'll see what happens there. But yeah, dude. <laughs> so yeah, so thanks to everyone who kind of put that forward. You see, here's the thing. I'm still not convinced that they can put on a takeover show. Yeah, we named cards, but when your TV matches are lasting two, three minutes, there's no way in hell you're going to have a five-match five takeover card anymore. Like this is going to be a, a eight nine match two hour show now. I uh, I think they still they could prove you wrong, but uh, with each passing week, it's looking more and more like they just don't care to to honor what NXT used to be at all. They kind of view it all as a failure, and they want to get away from it as much as possible. Yeah, which uh, sucks for people who loved NXT, which is a lot of wrestling fans. It sucks when you decided to start podcasting about NXT in the final few <laughs> months of its existence. <laughs> well, we're here until it gets canceled, buddy. Yeah. All right. So yeah. So that's interesting. But yeah, like you know, this NXT is so weird. Um, question, Matt. So I'm just gonna ask you this. 
in the middle of the card, but I'll just ask you this up front since we're having a good conversation right now. As I mentioned, the matches are taking about two, three, four minutes max for the most part. You have those matches that are a little longer, but well, you know those are the exceptions to the rule now. Now, do you think that as NXT 2.0 kind of um, uh, uh, establishes itself, as these wrestlers get used to being on TV, in the ring, etc., do you think that we're going to see less matches and these matches taking longer? Or is this now the formula for NXT? That's a really good question. I don't think they know. I think they're flying by the seat of their pants. And I think the the rating and the median age is going to uh, matter a lot on that. So I think if, if the median age keeps going up and the rating keeps going down, which is what's been happening, I think they're going to have to change the formula up. But... You know, they, they, I, I, this is this is the way it is right now, and in part it is because they are introducing so many new faces. But you know what I mean? But if there is a steady pipeline upwards, they can continue to introduce new faces for a little bit. Do you think that they're introducing too many new faces at once? Of course. Absolutely. Yes. 100%. Yes. Yeah. All right. Do I elaborate? <laughs> is, there, is there anything else you want to say? Well, no. Just... I mean, do you remember a single move that Zion Quinn hit in his match last night? Of course they're doing too much. We're he did a lot of grunting. Legend. He did a lot Cody of grunting and flying. <laughs> He's not bad, but like, yeah, we have uh, Malik Blade is a new guy. We have this new Fatu brother coming, Solo Sikoa. He is uh, brother of the Usos. He is, him fa- in fact, himself and Us. Um, you know what's crazy about that? Didn't he start like a month ago at the Performance Center? Yeah, he's very. Like, this new. is what they I mean. Like they are like. So what's interesting about NXT 2.0? I wish everyone because anytime I say 2.0, I always do the hand signals. Anyways, um, <laughs> is do you remember when NXT Triple H's Uncle H's NXT uh, was uh, you know kind of doing okay? And then there was a lot of talk about having a actual developmental, and they were talking about, and there were rumors that they even recorded new episodes of Evolve, and this is going to be their new developmental, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It just seems like this is what it was, because like like the Fatu brother, literally a month ago, he was signed, a month ago, he was announced to go to the Performance Center, and now they're already airing vignettes for him to come up. But that's how it should be. That's good. I think there was way too much of a logjam in Triple H's NXT. One of the problems with it. But it was, it was still a much well, better program here's overall. The thing, though, miss it, of course. It, I just feel like at the end of the day, what happened with NXT was two things. Number one, the transition from Uncle H to Papa McMahon just didn't work. Papa McMahon no, had no idea what was going on. So when people made it to the main roster, it was like a complete night and day transformation for all of these people. Karrion Cross is a great example of this, right? And it's the most recent example, in my opinion. Um, we can name so many others. EC3, Lars Sullivan, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's just so many examples of this where people just didn't work out because Papa McMahon had no idea what the hell these people were or whom these people were to begin with. Now, the other issue with Uncle H's NXT was the fact that how many times did we 
on Sunday night's main event, whether it be the main show, NXT Talk, anytime we brought up NXT, it was a, what is NXT? Is it the third brand or is it developmental? It was just in this weird state of, you know, purgatory, for lack of a better word, where it just tried to be everything that WWE was missing. Developmental, AEW's uh, main rival, like it was trying to do way too much and too little time. So like you said, it created these log jams, it created these lost characters, these weird characters. It just, you know, for lack of a better term right now, just or not even lack of a better term, but in the grand scheme of things, right now that it is actually defined as developmental, I'm okay with that. You know what you're going to get. You know you're going to get a bunch of shit thrown at a wall and they're going to see what sticks. You're going to see two, you know, six three-minute matches on a show for now. Yeah, no, I mean, like, there's no fighting it. This is what it's going to be for now. But I, I do understand what you were originally saying, where, like, I, is it just going to be, like, yeah, I don't know, Joe Gacy squash and then Zion Quinn squash and then Tony D'Angelo squash and then Ivy Nile squash. Like, eventually they will, like, these wrestlers are going to have to have competitive matches, you know? And I don't know where the time comes in, right? There's there's two, there appears to be two 10-minute matches per NXT episode, and the rest is just a minute or two or three uh, squashes up and down the show. Like, what's the expectation from management? You're going to put these people on TV for two, three minutes. You're going to move them to Raw SmackDown where they're expected to have a 10-minute match. I don't see this being successful in the grand scheme of things. So hopefully what I see, what I would love to see, is that as all these new characters are coming, you know, they get used to being on TV. They get used to performing in front of our crowd. They get used to a lot of stuff. They have these short matches. But as, you know, they mature in... NXT and TV, they'll be able to have slightly longer matches, you know, and then as the revolving door happens, we're going to get back into the stage of a bunch of two, three minute matches. And then as they mature, um, we're going to be seeing them having longer matches. That's kind of what I hope to see, but we'll see. Yeah, it just, yeah, I mean, we're going to, yeah, it's way too early to tell we're at like what week four or week five of this but uh, yeah, I, I I think that's going to be the way it goes, man. They're going to like these wrestlers. Well, we saw it with B-Fab and Electra Lopez. They had their 10-minute match. It was god-awful, but they did it. <laughs> yep. All right. So I guess we might as well get into the show. Yeah, let's do it. But before Started we do. kidnapping. <laughs> but before we do, my friend, we have one piece of business to take care of and that's because as a young guns we're done with star ratings every week we have a rating to jure a rating system that reflects the bullshit we just watched so matthew matteo what would you like to do this week i thought you had an idea this week i thought you, you pitched one boris i'm gonna let you take the floor here because i i think you're onto it yes in honor of the bs that was the semi-main event of like of Santos Escobar getting screwed out of the North American title. We're going to do, and we're going to rate each match out of five Orlando's screw jobs. <laughs> screwed out of the title, despite the fact that he lost clean to a baby face. Where was the clean? No, no. Oh, oh, oh I'm joking. <laughs> Anyways. Um, all right. So, yeah. So we're going to, we're going to use five Orlando's screw jobs as the rating system. So, 
The show opens up with footage of Hit Row getting jumped by Legado del Fantasma. This actually made me laugh so hard just because there was just something to be said about Swerve Scott listening to his music and in the background, everyone getting their ass kicked and being put in SUVs. Yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. It was, it was a fun visual for sure. But yeah, this was uh, minus the threat of like sexual assault or or like murder. This was a Russo-esque start to your wrestling program. Cold open with a jumping and a kidnapping. And two men and a woman are thrown into a van never to be seen again. And the partner of those of those wrestlers doesn't really particularly care. He laughs it off. And the announcers don't particularly care. They laugh it off. In fact, Vic Joseph told us that now Legado, quote, has the upper hand, Boris, because they kidnapped two men and a woman. And a woman. A singular woman. I love wrestling. (laughs) I absolutely adore wrestling. A woman. But yeah, no, this is the worst of wrestling. This is when you laugh at wrestling and not with it. Yeah, I get. I don't know. I don't know. I, I I just don't know. It just it made me laugh. It is what it is. I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe I don't know. I have I can't defend it. Anyways, we jump to the intro, and then Joe Gacy is in the ring talking about safe spaces, saying he'll beat Tommaso Ciampa, a walking beacon of toxic masculinity and championship privilege, and to represent his snowflakes. And I just can't. Um, Joe Gacy, uh, you know, this is great. I, 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 I'm loving this character. Every week, this character is evolving a little more. They're letting him kind of become more of a heel. You know, he's taking this to the extreme, and I'm really enjoying this. What do you think of this Joe Gacy character? Yeah, the twist is starting to happen, so I'm liking it. When he was just generic HR man, it was like, well, that was a waste of time. But now that he's starting to be a little heel, he's calling his fans the snowflakes, which is obviously an insult. And, you know, I think that's that's a pretty clever little thing if you're going to make this guy a heel. But at the same time, uh, in the first five minutes of this show, we had a character come out and call everyone snowflakes, and we had a kidnapping that would never be really addressed again. So I could see why the average age who watches the show is 62. <laughs> you know, I could see why they have completely lost the young people right off the hop here. Yeah, well, whatever. Um, not whatever, but anyways. So this match is a non-title match, and if Joe Gacy wins, he will be inserted into the Halloween Havoc main event with Braun Breaker and Tommaso Ciampa. So, you know, personally, I honestly thought that uh, Harlan was going to interfere and get Joe Gacy inserted in this match. This match was pretty good, in my opinion. Matt, what did you think? Yeah, it was a solid wrestling match. It went uh, over 10 minutes, and both of these guys are very talented. I think Joe Gacy is you know, coming into his own. He showed a couple moves here that we haven't seen him do yet. So uh, you can update your Joe Gacy create a wrestler on Fire Pro or whatever wrestling game you're playing these days. But yeah, no, I thought uh, I thought this was a very good match. I think uh, the Harland character is already an absolute joke. Like, he's just, he's like, uh, he's like a, I don't know, like... Uh, like of mice and men style like brooding 
man with uh, severe deficiencies. We'll talk about this in a second. But yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't really know what's going on. So the end of this match, Gacy went for his handspring to Jiri move. Um, Champa counters it with a basement drop kick. He underhooks I him. yelled out loud. That spot was awesome. He goes for the Tajiri style handspring and Ciampa drop kicks him right in the face, right in the mush. Right Yelled in the out loud, stood up on my couch, Boris. It was crazy. Yep. And then he hit him with the fairy tale ending, got the pin, keeping the Halloween Havoc main event a singles match between himself and Braun Breaker with two Ks. Yeah, I thought the match was pretty decent. The uh, the overall package that we saw in the ring was slightly hurt by the angle that would follow it, but not too much. So I would overall give this a rating of three screw jobs out of five. It's a 60% Orlando screw job percentage, Boris. Yep. All right. So then after this match, Harlan gets into both men. And then Gacy engages. You know what this was like? You know, have you ever played like an RPG with dice? Uh, no, not myself, actually. All right. So you roll the I dice. Depending on what you roll, that's how strong your attack is going to be. Joe Gacy rolled a one, and he touched <laughs> Harlan's cheek. And Harlan just backs off and runs away. This is very much, for those of you who have ever watched Age of Ultron, this was Black Widow and the Incredible Hulk. This was so awkward, so strange. I have no idea where this is going. This hurt the Gacy character, but it destroyed the Harlan character. At the same time, I'm going to give it time, but this is not a good introduction for Harlan. Yeah, Joe Gacy softly rubs Harlan's face and he lets go of Joe Gacy and runs away. Exit stage right, like a like an absolute like buffoon. You don't see, you don't actually see him run away. You just he just exits the screen, never to be seen again. Yeah, this uh, it's not looking good for Parker Bordeaux. Like he's gone from the next Brock Lesnar to uh, of mice and men style character. So that's rough. Yeah, he's gone from the next Brock Lesnar to the next Zach Gowan. Now to the next Heidenreich, maybe. Oh, <laughs> Anyways, so right as. Joe Gacy feels Harlan's face, and Harlan runs away. Toxic Attractions music hits. They come out. They all get on the mic. They talk about how Gigi Dolan and JC Jane are going to take the tag titles off EO and Zoe at Halloween Havoc, and Mandy Rose is going to challenge Raquel Gonzalez for the NXT Women's Championship, and they're going to make history with gold around all of their pretty little waists. Yeah, a pretty little wastes in a cringe line that was not... Uh, and then, no, 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 <laughs> that was not the cringiest line, because the cringiest line was this. It doesn't matter what my hair color is, I am the baddest bitch in the game, says Mandy Rose. Yeah, man. Uh, just You know how humans speak, Boris? You know what people say to each other when they're mad? Stuff like that. It's just, yeah, it's just terrible, like, B-movie, C-movie, D-movie dialogue. Yeah. <sighs> Anyways, I don't blame these women. They're doing what they can. But the scripts are just horrible. And this wasn't even the worst scripted promo for a woman in the show. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah, it's, 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 
criminal the material that they're cranking out for these poor performers to uh to have to sit sift through and try to find some kind of nugget of something in but can you imagine here's the thing a lot of people love blaming the writers but the writers are just doing what they're told can you imagine working your entire life becoming a writer getting this awesome job with a weekly tv show that goes live on tv in front of millions of people around the world and this is the shit that you're writing for people to speak yeah, man, I feel bad for everyone involved. I like uh, the performers too. Imagine being a wrestler like a Kyle O'Reilly or a Johnny Gargano or and building NXT to be what it was. Yeah, man. But I mean, yeah, I, I speak, yeah, you're completely right. I was specifically talking about like people oh, who guys. are still in it, still in NXT, having to look at what has happened to their baby that they built. Just crazy, man. It's just sad. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So. Literally, as they finish their cringe line, Zion Quinn comes out as we go to commercial. Um, all right, when we get back from commercial, we get a vignette of somebody dragging a shovel through the woods, not Cody Rhodes, and he's talking with a distorted voice about burying the past so they can start again. And then we get a bumper for Halloween Havoc. Who do you think this is? Because I have a theory. I'm very worried it's the Velveteen Dream. <laughs> I hope it's Dexter Loomis. I think it's Elias. Elias? Back to NXT? Why not? Interesting. Why not? They already have someone playing guitar on the main roster. True. That's interesting. They said that he, like, he like died or whatever, right? They had, like, that tombstone exactly. thing. Exactly. Oh, man. You know what? I think you're right. I was half joking uh, about my my thing. But, uh, yeah, I was thinking it might be Dexter Loomis, and he does go heel. I, I like where your head's at. It, it might be Elias, the drifter. Yep. All right. So this leads us into Zion Quinn's match versus Malik Blade. This match went, what, a whopping two seconds? How long was this match? Uh, this match uh, went this two, match minutes, two minutes, 46 seconds. Yes, sir. Zion Quinn pins Malik Blade with his flying forearm. Uh, yeah, it was uh, a pretty standard fare. I do like Malik Blade, but he he gets like two or three matches or moves per match, and that's that. Okay. Have, geez, what the hell's going on in Mississauga? There's like ambulances, birds. Like, what the hell's going on <laughs> over here? All right. Anyways, um, I forgot what my entire point to this. Oh, yeah. You know where you can actually watch these people wrestle? And I never thought I would say this. Where's that? 205 Live. Yeah, 205 Live is like the developmental developmental. Yeah, because they actually get time for matches. Like last week, we saw the Creed Brothers. <laughs> oh, man. I miss the Creed Brothers. We only got one singular Creed Brother on this show. I want the tag team. So then you got to watch 205 Live, my friend. Absolutely. I absolutely refuse and you can't make me. Anyway, I would go for this match. A standard Mendoza line match. We're going to go two and a half screw jobs out of five. 50% Orlando magic percentage. <laughs> all right. So after this, the hardest working reporter in all of professional wrestling, Mackenzie Mitchell, interviews Tommaso Ciampa backstage. Champa says he doesn't know what to think about Joe Gacy, but it doesn't matter because he's dialed in on defending his title at Halloween Havoc. And then out of the blue, grizzled young veterans show up. Zach Gibson says they can't wait to watch him lose the title. He fought so hard to regain to a rookie. And then Braun Breaker just casually shows up, starts yelling, and he says he's ready to fight them right now. 
Uh, Zach begs off based on the fact that he's wearing street clothes. Uh, Breaker tells Champa he's going to stick by him until Halloween Havoc because he wants to beat Champa at his best. Yeah, great promo by uh, Champa. Great work by Braun Breaker. I've liked everything that he has done so far. Uh, yeah, I think they're hitting home runs, and I hope this match is really good. Yep. Man, who would have ever thought a Steiner be like good that's a ridiculous thing for you to say every steiner has been awesome okay both of them were good i shouldn't say good but being featured in this way like yes that's that's what i mean yeah yeah like in a good position yes Uh, yeah because in wwe the uh the steiners specifically scott in his second run but uh even actually more so in the tag team because when they were in 1993 in wwe as a tag team they were still at the height of their powers. They were still at the top of their yeah. games. And uh, WWF didn't push them at all. When well, Scott Steiner came back in 2002, he uh, was like pretty instantly in the mid card. Yep. Here's the thing, though. Think about 93. There were two teams that were just dominating the tag team division. And I think that if the Steiners had been either of them, they would have been legendary status. And I'm talking about the Quebecers and Money, Inc., yeah, they should have had clean, dominant victories on a pay-per-view or at least on a television show over those teams. They both, they feuded with both and they kind of got screwed. They traded titles back and forth and it was, yeah, it was rough. But anyway, Scott Steiner and the Steiners always got a raw deal from WWE. So I like that they're getting uh, they're getting their due here now through uh, the son of Rick. But at the same time, he's not Steiner, he's Breaker. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. All right, so, all right, we go back to the ring, and out comes Diamond Mine as we go to another commercial break, which continues the trend, and a very confusing trend when you're trying to take notes for these shows. People come out, and then we get vignettes, and a lot of stuff happen, but that's okay. Um, We come back from break. Uh, The announcers are trying to hype Crown Jewel, and then we go to the hardest working reporter in all of professional wrestling, Mackenzie Mitchell, and this time she is with NXT North American champion Isaiah Swerve Scott. Uh, she says no one has heard from the other Hit Row members since earlier. Scott says they will be all right and goes on to talk about how he's taking the title to SmackDown and there's nothing Santos Escobar can do about it. We go back to the ring. Valentina Feroz is waiting in the ring as now stares her down. The bell rings. And the match starts, so now it's time for Ivy Nile versus Valentina for Rose. So, okay, <laughs> I think we're gonna say the same thing. So, Matt, go ahead. I'm going back to the Swerve promo. I gotta talk about this. Swerve did a really good job with the absolute bullshit that he was handed, which is the story of this show. But uh, for him to just be like, oh, yeah, my crew, they're warriors. They're going to be fine. And that's the only explanation that we get possible. Like the only reference on the rest of the show that we get for his team getting kidnapped. And presumably no one knows where they are, what happened to them. It's just so incredibly lazy. You could do anything else other than say, oh, yeah, they'll be fine. It's literally the absolute bare minimum that you could do is say, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. They're cool. You know, like, just do something. Come up with something. Some kind of idea. Don't do the kidnapping in the first place. Like, it's just so lazy. It's just poor writing, boys. Here's the thing. I'm sure the other company has done something similar to this, and we weren't as angry. I'm just saying. 
I don't think it's, I don't think that's true at all. You can go like, we'd have to see, like, I'm not going through every single AEW episode right now to counter your point. But like, for example, like I, I, uh, Bob Kapoor brought this up on the Facebook group. So I guess once the inner circle kidnapped the young bucks dad, completely different. The young bucks dad isn't an active performer on the roster. Isn't three fourths of the team that, uh, uh, the young bucks are on. You know what I mean? Uh, Shock, I guess, kind of disappeared once. That was kind of dumb, but, but uh, I don't know, man. I don't think this is like this is beyond anything that AEW has done, in my opinion. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, they've done some bad stuff. The Dark Order sucks. Don't, I, I don't love AEW. I don't think they're infallible, but nah. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You know, if we're going to be holding one company up to a certain standard, we got to hold everyone up to the same standard. Hey, I'm, I'm the, I do the same too, but I remind myself, like, look, I know we're being super tough on NXT because we watch it and we talk about it every week. So, dude, as I'm watching this, I thought the exact same thing as you, but then I thought about it a little more. Number one, we're reading way too much into it. Number two, we're way too deep into it. And number three, other people do this BS too. Uh, not to this degree. Uh, and I don't know if you're going to pay attention and watch the show, you know, like, do you, do you rate, read too much into breaking bad? Do you read too much into, you know, the Sopranos? Like if the television show is good, you want to pay attention. You want to read into it. You want to kind of try to piece together where the stories are going. You know, I, I thought Swerve Scott did an awesome job with his promo, with his like delivery. He's a really good actor. He's a really good promo. But man, the material was just terrible. It was just of terrible. Of course. I'm just saying. Anyways, let's move on. Uh, so it's Ivy Nile versus Valentina Feroz. Uh, what do you think of this match? I thought that Valentina Feroz got a little too much offense in the grand scheme of things. It was only two minutes and 49 seconds, but... If they want to build up Ivy Nile as this unstoppable, unbeatable person, yeah, she didn't hurt her, but she still got a lot of offense in. I could see that. That kind of makes sense. It wasn't as dominant as like the Creed brothers wins were. It wasn't as exciting. She's uh she's a little more limited, but I, I didn't I didn't hate this. I thought yeah. it was a pretty typical standard squashy wrestling match. Yeah. Ivy Nile, and I put this on the Facebook group, but I wanted to bring it up here because I know not everyone is on the Facebook group uh, as the show happens. Um, Ivy Nile reminds me of an early booked uh, Jordana Grace. Interesting. Yeah, I did, I have not seen too much Jordana Grace, but she does that suplex that Jordana Grace does. Yeah. Anyways, so the end of the match, uh, Ivy Nile puts Feroz in a torture rack, in a interesting looking torture rack and froze eventually um gives up so ivy now wins yeah. by submission in two minutes 49 seconds uh i get what they were going for but i didn't like it on this first match because like you said like it need, ivy needed to look stronger yep. and valentina was in this torture rack for way too long yep. the the illusion they're going for is that she, she she throws her in a torture rack right and then she kind of turns the torture rack into like a bow and arrow where she's also like bending her opponent around her own head, Ivy Nile is. Yep. While delivering a torture rack, she's also twisting her into a pretzel. So it kind of needs to be a slow build. But at the same time, I think Valentina was in the submission for way too long. It didn't make it look strong enough. Yep. Agreed with you 100%. So how many Orlando screw jobs would you give this match? 
We're going to go, it's a pretty, pretty average standard match. We're going to go two and a half screw jobs out of five Mendoza line, 50% Epcot percentage Boris. All right. So post-match diamond and mine assembles in the ring. Malcolm Biven cuts a promo. He hypes up Ivy Nile and then the Creed brothers. And finally Roderick strong. He passes strong the mic and out comes the man. Eichmann Jiro, um, uh, one of the Creed brothers cuts him off and says he has to earn his NXT Cruiserweight title shot, and he's always strapped, so what do you want to do about it? Jiro clocks him with a forearm, runs away as we go to break. He said he's always strapped, and then he pulled up his sweater to show his wrestling singlet, which of course has straps on it, so he's always wearing his gear. That's what he meant by not, always strapped. Not, not in the Arn Anderson way. <laughs> Yes, he was not armed with a gun that he would use to shoot a carjacker, I presume. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, so uh, I thought this was a little little goofy, but Julius Creed is such a badass that, you know what, he could say something goofy like, I'm always strapped, and come across more like Kurt Angle and less like Jack Swagger. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yes, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, and and Jiro's just, he's so fun. He's so lovable. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, another thing that made me laugh is uh, Bivens is cutting this promo, hyping people up, and he hands the mic to Roderick Strong. And I'm like, oh, my God, is Roderick going to get promo time? And Roderick says one word, and then Ikemen Jiro's music hits. And it's like, oh, no, Roderick is not going to get promo time. Yep, uh, dude, that made me laugh also. <laughs> I feel like this needs to become a bit. Yeah, like as soon as he gets one word in edgewise, the baby face hits yep. the ring. I love it. All right, so when we get back from commercial, apparently the commercial was or the match was made official. Eichmann Jiro versus Julius Creed. This match was quite short. It only went three minutes and 24 seconds. What did you think, my friend? I like Creed a lot. Uh, again, this didn't quite have the the complete domination, the package of both Creed brothers. I liked them as a tag team more than just Julius as a single at this point. Uh, but, you know, it, I thought this was really good. This was a strong squash match. Pre pretty strong. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, so Jiro flies up. Creed catches a midair, drops him on his head, then nails a low lariat or a sliding D for the win. So Julius Creed won. Yeah, and we saw about three minutes and 30 seconds of it. I think it was 324 officially. So yeah, I would give it uh, th this solid 60%, uh, solid C. That is three screw jobs out of five. It is a 60% Orlando Solar Bears percentage, Boris. <laughs> oh, my God. That's All a right. hockey team. Yes, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Tips. All right. I'm sure uh, so, someone out there doesn't know that that's a real hockey team. I swear to God. All right. So Diamond Mine attacks Jiro in the middle of the ring. Fans boo. Fans pop when Kushida runs down for the save. They end up beating Kushida up and Jiro up. And Diamond Mine all stands tall to end the segment. Yeah. Strong, I like we've said it before, but we need to say it again and actually praise NXT 2.0 for things that they do correctly, things they're actually doing right. You cannot argue that the Diamond Mind is far better off now than they were under Triple H. Way, yeah. way better. Yeah, 100%. 100%. They're, they're more believable, right? And the fact 
that they are beating up on two like legit fan favorites is going to give them like legit heel heat and i'm really yeah. enjoying what they're doing with them uh, absolutely i think it's again lazy to just pair kashida and ikamanjiro together like they did but whatever that's low on the list of complaints on this show i think it's a good pairing all right, so we see a Raquel Gonzalez promo. She says she's going to accept the challenge that Mandy Rose laid down, except it's going to be a spin-the-wheel, make-a-deal match. It's so funny that they're still stealing this from Mad Max all those years later, but hey, let's go with it. I like the concept, and do you think that they would put your match idea, your winner take all six woman tag belts on the wheel and do it that way? I think that would be amazing. Like, here's the thing. Let's be realistic here, my friend. I don't think that uh, Toxic Attraction is ready for two matches of this caliber. I think that, you know, let, let's do the Paul Heyman method of booking wrestlers, and that's by hiding their 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 their, their faults. And I think that if it was a six-woman tag with everything on the line, you're going to get a better match in one match than you would with two separate matches. Makes a lot of sense, buddy. Fully co-signed. That's a good point. Yeah. But because it is WWE, we're going to get two matches that are going to drag way too long. <laughs> oh, dude, 60 minutes Iron Woman match? Spin the wheel, make the deal? <laughs> Oh, my God. Don't you love the fact that here I am, like, trying to defend NXT, and then I'm like, but they're stupid, so they're going to do something really <laughs> stupid. <laughs> I do love it. I do love it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Kyle O'Reilly and Vaughn Wagner. How's your Minnesota accent going? Uh, still needs a week or two, but uh, we're, we're building on We're We're getting there slowly but surely a little bit. <laughs> All right, uh, so yeah, so Von Wagner and Kyle O'Reilly come out. We go to commercial, back from the break. <sighs> Fuck, that's my. One I feel F. so bad for. <laughs> I feel so bad for young Kyle. You can see the soul just leaving his body every single week. Uh, it just like I feel bad for Pete Dunne, who just re-opted for apparently three years on a contract that Triple H hand delivered to him. Uh, boy. But yeah, man, uh, this yeah, it was it was a fine match for what it was, but hold it was on, very hold on. basic. Whoa, and whoa, the, whoa, oh, whoa, hold on, my friend, the match yeah. didn't start after the commercial. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, there's three things <laughs> in between. Yeah. True. Sorry, so my, friend. My F was not about the match itself. It was about the second episode of Lashing Out with <laughs> Lash Legend. Please go on, because I believe you referred to this uh, previously on our show when you said that there was a worse script given out to a female performer. This is it. And it was <laughs> lashing out with Lash Legend. Lash Legend. Again, <laughs> a worse name than Jason LaRue. Lash Legend. A worse name than Carry On Cross? Can we have this debate? I'm going to say no, but it's close. Ooh, oh, my God. You know what we need to do? A list of the worst names in pro wrestling. I actually thought Dolph Ziggler for a long time was up there. I think we've become numb to it, but that one's <laughs> really bad, man. If oh, yeah. you think about it, 
Michael McGillicuddy, one of the all-time worst. Karrion Cross, I don't give a shit what anybody says. One of the all-time worst names ever given to a pro wrestler. Carry on Cross. Damian Priest, just a shade below that. Yeah, but Damian Priest is still better than Punishment Martinez. That's <laughs> debatable. I, I have a soft spot. I think Punishment Martinez is so bad it's good. <laughs> Lash legend. And the only thing worse than the script that was given to Lash Legend was the fake crowd that they had out there in her studio <laughs> audience. Oh my god, I like uh, Lash. Seven jabronis looking uncomfortable in like, I don't know, uh, lawn chairs. <laughs> you know what's worse? They're trying to get this Arsenio Hall feel to this show. Number one. Arsenio Hall ended 30 years ago. Huh. Number two, yeah. Lash Legend. <laughs> Who She's good. She is. Again, again, le- yes, yes. This is no slide on Lash Legend. I think she's phenomenal. You can tell that she's naturally, she's a natural speaker. She's obviously a natural athlete and an amazing athlete. But you give these people horrible material so we are going to make fun of it don't you love the fact that here i am trying to defend nxt and now i've been i haven't even gotten to this segment yet <laughs> yeah let's get through it man right. because, she jokes yeah, about we're, we're a long she jokes about the draft and how next year it's going to be called the wwe squid games <sighs> she also talks about hit row going to smackdown Someone brings up how Tony D'Angelo said last week he wanted to be on the show, but they told him there was a schedule conflict. Lash has three words for D'Angelo appearing on the show. Forget about it. (sighs) (laughs) Ah, the look on your face right now. Dude, I... (laughs) I just can't with this. I can't. There's only one thing worse on NXT, and that's Cora Jade. No, oh, you're come on. She's done like two things. That's that's. I guess Lash Larue's only done two things. Or what's her name? Lash <laughs> Legendary. <laughs> Lash Lash Legend. Lash Larue. <laughs> oh man. Right, but you know so- what? Yeah, like yeah, the story of this show. Just dog shit material that these performers are slugging their way through and actually doing an admirable job. Yes. Oh, 100%. Like, this is the thing. This is no slide against any performer except for Cora Jade. Everyone is working their ass off. (laughs) Taking stray bullets. Poor Cora Jade. I'm joking. I really am. I really am. Anyways, we go back. You got to get some freaking material with this shit that we're watching every week. Oh, you know what? They're, coming up next is is the best vignette probably on the show. After after the Kyle O'Reilly match, we did get actually a really good vignette. All right, so let's get back to the match. We have uh, Dunn and Ridge Holland are coming out. The bell rings. Dunn unloads on Wagner. Uh, Wagner takes Dunn down. This match was actually pretty freaking good. I really like this. Um, you know, this is really Dunn and O'Reilly doing everything in their humanly god-given talent to make two rookies look good and competent yeah it's it, it hurts my soul to see it to see the emphasis being put on von wagner and ridge holland and not kyle o'reilly and pete dunn but they played second fiddle to the big men and they did an awesome job they did an awesome job selling for them making them look good this this was what it was 
But yeah, it was a very good match because of Kyle and Pete. Yep. Um, so yeah, Wagner does a big jumping knee, a back suplex. Wagner yells out uh, and then fights off Dunn as he comes in. Kyle rocks Holland from the apron. Kyle runs the apron, nails a flying knee to Dunn on the floor. Wagner and Holland trade moves back and forth. Wagner with a big tilt-a-world double underhook slam in the middle of the ring for the pin to pin a exiting Ridge Holland. So your winners of the match were the disputed era of Kyle O'Reilly and Vaughn Wagner. The name's going to stick, Boris. You just got to keep pushing it, buddy. I, I love it. So yeah, he hit like a weird, like twisting butterfly suplex, twisting a uh, double arm slam kind of thing. Uh, match went a little long, but you know what? I did like it. We're going to go three Orlando screw jobs out of five. It's a 60% Orlando soccer club percentage, Boris. Yep. All right. Funny, there's a player. Anyway, I'm not going to say it. Um, after the match, uh, Wagner and Kyle O'Reilly appear to be on the same page. So here's my fantasy booking. Ridge Holland leaves. Von Wagner turns on Kyle O'Reilly and aligns himself with Pete Dunne. Interesting. They don't have the uh, the British connection, but I kind of like the idea. I kind of like the idea. And they could even do like a horseman beatdown and have Ridge Holland pass the torch to Von Wagner. Exactly. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Like, you know, and here's the other thing here. So I got into not a debate, but there was some back and forth between myself, Joe Aguinaldo and Bob Kapoor about Ridge Holland now getting two or three clean pins on himself over the past few weeks as he's exiting NXT. I think it's weird because, you know, now that they're trying to incorporate NXT into the canon of WWE, you know, he's taking big L's before he moves to SmackDown. Now, I fully understand that when you left a territory, you leave a, you leave a company, you usually uh, leave losing. But this is different in my opinion. What are your well, thoughts yeah. on this? I agree with you, Boris. It's different because when you left a territory, people around the world, people in the next town didn't know the guy was losing. That was the point. That was the whole point. He could afford to lose literally because nobody would know about it. Exactly. But now everyone sees Ridge Holland lose and lose and lose and lose after being drafted. It's like, why would this guy be drafted if he sucks so much? Why can't he win? Exactly. You know what I mean? That, that was exactly the example that I said. It's like, you know, it's like if Vladdy Guerrero were to go on a 20-game hitless streak being played horrible or playing horrible defense, and he's not going to be called up to the big show. Like, that's not how this how it works. This is the way that we need to see WWE. This, we're, we're away from the territories. There is TV everywhere. Cameras are always on. People watch these shows-ish, you know? So it's, I think it's different. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I think it would be interesting. I don't trust them to do this. I don't think they are doing this. But it would be interesting if they like if if they acknowledge that they drafted Ridge Holland, but he's performing poorly in the minors and they're not going to call him up until he starts to win. That would be an interesting kind of little angle on it. Oh, and yeah. that could be a kind of thing. And maybe that could be a way that Pete Dunne gets called up with Ridge Holland as well. Like, Ridge Holland alone can't quite do it, but Ridge with Pete. Yep. Yep. So that's my other prediction, is that either Von Wagner is going to align himself with Pete Dunne, or somehow Pete Dunne is going to move up with Ridge Holland. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting. Anyway, there were precisely two good segments, uh, two good backstage segments on this show. I think we're about to get into one. Yep. 
All right, and I'm surprised that I actually like this as much as I do. So, Andre Chase University classroom segment. Andre's lesson to the day is in ring awareness. He shows how Odyssey Jones put his foot under the bottom rope in the loss to LA Knight last week, not mentioning how he put the boot under the rope. He says Jones doesn't have the ring awareness to make it in NXT. A student named Brandon asks Chase if what he did was an illegal move to help Knight. Chase snaps on him, orders him to go down the hall to join Steve from two weeks ago uh, in the dumbass class. Chase says he's just trying to teach these kids. Ah, man. So he's like he's like Bobby Knight. He's Coach Hines. That's the Mad TV coach played by Keegan-Michael Key yep. in some really funny sketches. Some of the best Mad TV sketches of all time yep. Our Coach Sandoval Hines. But, uh, yeah, that's his character. This character's working for me. God bless him. He's actually, he's making me laugh. It's it's one note, but it's working for me. Here's the thing. This is the other reference that, in my mind, they're going with. It's the opposite Ted Lasso. Yeah, that's interesting. It is anti-Lasso. Yeah. Okay, so, um, it's the other thing I wanted to bring up here. And I know that I'm stopping a lot, but I just want to highlight some of these things. Remember last year around, or earlier this year, around January, February, maybe it was even last year around this time, the Timothy Thatcher, Thatch-ass, Thatch-can segments? Yes, I do. It's kind of funny that this is basically the same gimmick, except Uncle H's version versus Bruce Pritchard's version. And you know what? Again, this might be one where Bruce Pritchard, the odd uh, blind squirrel finding a nut, the odd broken clock right twice a day. This might be one where his version's better. I like this a lot. Same. All right. Back from the break, we get Tony D'Angelo, A-O-A-O, hey, ho, gotta <laughs> He's standing next to a car somewhere. He says the streets are talking about last week's successful debut, but he wants to give props to his opponents, but can't get Malik Blade's name right. He recalls being outside of the Lashing At with Lash Legend show when a producer told him they had a scheduling conflict. For, um, yeah, he says forget about it because he does things on his own time. D'Angelo says the producer was a nice guy. He walks away from the car and we hear someone trapped in the trunk. <laughs> I like that a lot. Like, oh, what was his name? Mark? Yeah, he's a nice guy. And then he walks away and you're burr, 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 banging on the trunk. I laughed at this. I thought this was really good, too. These were probably the two best segments on NXT. Although I, I am remembering that there was a really good Imperium promo, too. Yes. That was also very. Those are the only good things on the, in terms of backstage segments on the show. Those two that we just covered and the upcoming Imperium promo. Yep. All right. So Duke Hudson versus Grayson Waller. Again, this match was only. Me two minutes forty two seconds, Matt. What did they you didn't think of this even match? get a finish, Boris. I they know. didn't even bother to give these guys a finish. I know, I know, I know. Handful of tights in two minutes. How is this? How is this a thing? So Grayson Waller looked okay. Grayson Waller gets a full entrance. He hits his like springboard stunner move. I kind of am starting to like Grayson Waller. Duke Hudson got zero point. One four of an entrance. He got like a little bit of theme song and he now is holding a poker chip in his entrance. And uh, yeah, so the finish, quote unquote, the actual ending sequence of this match was Grayson Waller's going for a springboard off the middle rope. Duke kicks the rope. Waller falls down and then Duke pins him. Yep. <laughs> and wins yep. by pulling his tights in two minutes and 42 seconds. So... 
they aren't even trying anymore in NXT. They aren't even bothering to give these guys an actual finish. This was bad. Big fail. Yep. So one. Go ahead. Go. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I would say, Boris, that this was one Orlando screw job out of five. A giant sizable fail. A twenty percent Magic Kingdom percentage. All right, so Hudson goes to ringside, fans boo him, he tosses poker chips at Waller and tells him, better luck next time. <laughs> it's a pun! It's a pun, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Legado del Fantasma is backstage with Santos Escobar as he works out. He says it's a shame what happened to Hit Row earlier and a shame how NXT North American champion Isaiah Swerve Scott doesn't have his family when Escobar does. Escobar promises Legado del Fantasma will stay in the back for tonight's title match. All right. Here's my rant. All show. <laughs> You're building up the fact that Santos has his family. That Santos has his family. Hit Row is gone. Hit Row is moving to SmackDown. Santos has his family. You have now made all of Legado del Fantasma look like absolute dorks. Yeah, I can. uh, They've been made to look like dorks a couple times, but they always seem to. Well,. In Triple H's NXT, they would make sure to rehab these guys if they ever got a loss. I think the carrying cross thing hurt them way less than other people acted. I think it yep. kind of helped them. Uh, but yeah, man, I uh, I think they're running into some troubles here. I feel I feel worried for their future for the first time in a long time. I feel worried th- for the future. But here's for the thing. But, okay, yeah, I agree with you. But here's the thing, Matt. We're talking about coherent booking. This is not coherent booking, right? Like, I think that we should just throw every wrestling logic, every wrestling crux, every wrestling trope that we've ever known and just throw it out and just see what they bring us week over week. (laughs) Well, that's absurd. We're doing a podcast here, Boris. We got to put it into some kind of... How about I'll put it into context and you just completely ignore everything that you've ever learned or held dear about wrestling and we'll, we'll watch it from the two different perspectives. This is honest, honestly, like, I would just love to every week bring someone who has never watched a wrestling show, watch the show with us and podcast with Man, us. Man, I pitched that to you when we, because we're doing retro TNA starting in May, the 20 year anniversary of TNA. I pitched that to you. That was my original idea for a TNA, a TNA podcast. Watch the worst, arguably, wrestling show of all time with someone who's never seen pro wrestling and doesn't get it at all and see how absolutely trashy and disgusting they think it is. Oh, man. Well, here we are talking about NXT that way. Okay. Backstage, Indy Hartwell is with Persia Perota and Dexter Loomis. Indy stares into Loomis before heading to the ring with her partner, Perota, leaving Loomis in the back. Indy stops, shows off her wedding ring, but puts it back on as we go to commercial. Yeah, uh, this was fine. At least they weren't even... They were they they didn't make not even thinly veiled just like single entendres not even a double entendre Boris about people's uh, you know dicks and whatever. Here, did you notice Dexter Loomis's face when Indy Hartwell left? He was kind of like, "What did I do?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, the shell shocked husband. Yep. That's kind of fun. All right, 
Back from the break, we get a pre-recorded promo from Imperium's Marcel Bartel and Fabian Aikner. They talk about how NXT Tag Team Champions MSK are an embarrassment to our sport and the worst champions of the tag of any tag division. They say MSK don't even know what honor, pride, and elegance mean, and Imperium is here to save NXT from that. Imperium goes on and promises to become the new tag team champs because the mat is sacred. Awesome promo. Uh, Barthel did the majority of the talking. He's really, really good. This was great. Uh, good, great stuff. I want to see this match. All right. Here's the thing about this match. You do realize Imperium is going to be cheered like baby faces because MSK gets go away heat. Over the past two weeks, they have. I don't know if they'll be cheered over Imp- or if they'll be booed over Imperium, but maybe they will, man. I'm not saying you're wrong. I, I, I would. I'm excited to see it, though. You might be right. All right, back to the ring. Sarai and Amari Miller are out. The bell rings and the match starts. This match didn't take too long. The end of this match essentially saw Persia scoops Miller on her shoulders again, drops Sarai with a boot as she runs in. Persia drops Miller in the off the top rope, uh, springboard off the top rope for the elbow drop for the pin at 2 minutes and 27 seconds. So your winners so are Andy Hartwell and Persia Perota. I do like Persia Perota's move. It's like basically a sit-out F5. Like she has the uh, her opponent on her uh, shoulders, fireman's carry style, and does the Brock Lesnar F5, but like sits out, out of it into like a face buster thing. That's pretty good. Indy comes off the top rope with her uh, flying elbow drop after that. But yeah, this was 2 minutes and 27 seconds of a bad match. And have they quietly slated Saray as a jobber? Is that where she is now? Dude, She's just like on the losing right? end of a tag team. Right. Brutal. Right. That hurt Brutal. Me. Very, very sad and disappointing. We're going, uh, we're going one screw job out of five. Another big fail. It's a uh, 20% Orlando Phantoms percentage, boys. <laughs> Uh, Persia takes the mic, proposes they get a shot at the NXT Tag Team Champs. Uh, the the music interrupts and out comes the champions, Io and Zoe. Shirai is ranting in Japanese. Um, she says she doesn't like Indy, she doesn't like Persia, and she doesn't like, and that's when Stark stops her. Stark and Shirai argue a little bit until Gigi Dolan and JC Jane come out. Uh, they don't give a damn about anything but the titles, they say. A brawl, it breaks out with all three teams. Shirai and Stark end up clearing the ring, standing tall with their titles in the air. Sure, fine little segment. Uh, not an inoffensive segment here. <laughs> yeah, because the most offensive thing in wrestling that's happened in 20 years is about to happen soon. In 20 years, that is objectively false. Please continue. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Grayson Waller approaches a woman in a blue dress, and this woman ended up being a Valentina Faroz. Um, backstage, he sets up a date for later. Cameron Grimes walks up and asks Waller how he did that. Waller suggests he clean up his look, shave his chest, fix his appearance. Grimes says, then where does he find the girl? Waller shows Grimes the world of dating apps. Grimes seems to be a fan, and that's the segment. So we're supposed to. So Cameron Grimes is a millionaire hillbilly who made his fortune on the stock market, but has never seen or heard of Tinder or any dating app. 
That is a dumb and inconsistent character. Well, this is how you know that Bruce Pritchard, Kevin Dunn, and Vince McMahon did this story. Oh, man. You remember when Cameron Grimes was like one of the stars of this show? Featured player every week. Top of the card. Yes. I <laughs> to the moon. Boris. Sad <sighs> <Right>. face. <laughs> I don't even know where to start with this next match because it's time for the main event. NXT. You took this a lot harder than I did. North American title match. Santos Escobar versus Isaiah Swerve. Scott, Matt, this is all you. I, I'm gonna. I'm, I predicted this. I predicted this down to the letter last week. I think they telegraphed it. I think it was pretty obvious. Swerve Scott moving up. Why would he lose on his way out? Of course, he goes over clean in the main event. But they quietly told us that Carmelo Hayes' breakout tournament shot is now the kind of thing that he can cash in whenever he wants. So you knew that Carmelo Hayes was going to screw over a strong baby face. So combine those two things. And I thought we were going to get uh, exactly what we saw, which was a very strong competitive match. Swerve Scott versus Santos Escobar. That Santos uh, Escobar loses clean in the middle with the JML driver, Boris. 13 minutes and 21 seconds from the time that Swerve Scott jumped Santos. It was before the bell. You know what gets to me the most about this is the fact that the crowd loved every second of Santos Escobar. They, the crowd loved both of these guys. But yes, absolutely, they were into Santos. They certainly were. No question. Keep going. I'm done with this show. <laughs> You're actually just out. So uh, one thing I did appreciate is at least the uh, kidnapping, quote unquote, had a reason uh, to exist in storyline. Because the the finish of this match was that Legado del Fantasma comes in to interfere. But who should save... Uh, young Swerve Scott, but Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. They yeah. run down to the ring. They fight off your boys, Legato, and then uh, Swerve wins clean in the middle of the ring. I thought this was a very strong match. We're going to go with three and a half uh, screw jobs out of five. It was a 70% Orlando Rage XFL percentage. Um, it was easily, easily far and away the best wrestling match on the show. I I don't know I, I I know you love Santos but you couldn't have you couldn't have thought this was a bad wrestling match. Oh no, I loved every second of it. <laughs> Very good. So after the match, Carmelo Hayes lifts Swerve Scott's hands. They're buddies. They're pals. Oh, is Carmelo a babyface now? Wrong, Boris. Clothesline Swerve Scott levels him with a uh, Jake Roberts style short arm. Some would say if you will. that was a swerve. <laughs> by god almighty and then he cashes in the thing that they casually made a money in the bank briefcase after one minute and 11 seconds he pins swerve scott with a top rope axe kick i think he calls it the booker t but that's unofficial uh he wins the match this was every cash in match you've ever seen we're gonna go two and a half mendoza line for this thing but it was it was a nice moment i liked it i thought it was a pretty good way to close nxt carmelo hayes your north american champion yep that's the show <laughs> what'd you think about this one buddy thumbs up thumbs down okay here's the thing all joking aside um I, i'm a little uh nervous for legato uh, I don't know if this leads us to a Santos and Hayes uh, feud, 
Um, I don't know how you can make Legado faces after they kidnap people, you know? Um, So I don't know what the plan is for Legado at this point. So I'm a little nervous about their overall, um, you know, what their future holds. In terms of wrestling, in terms of NXT 2.0, this is a wonderful way of having Scott drop the belt and move on to SmackDown. I'm glad to hear you say that, buddy. I 100% agree with what you said. I am very worried for Legato just because they're uh, short Latino dudes and look who's running this program now. But, uh, man, they're very, very talented. And I agree that they're getting a raw deal here a little bit. Hopefully it works out for them. And I 1 million percent agree with your take about the title, too. This is a great way to get, get it off him. Carmelo Hayes deserves it. The crowd loves this guy. Hopefully they let him be a babyface. Yeah. I hope so too, um, but yeah. So I, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I like this overall. You know, I think that it, we have new players, and now I have to ask you one very important question: Will Tommaso Ciampa survive Braun Breaker with two Ks? No, I think Braun's gonna win. I think Braun's gonna win the title. Yeah, yeah. So that's NXT. Anything else before we move to the best hour of WWE TV every week? We got it. We got to go fast here. But uh, yes, uh, NXT next week, we're getting Ciampa and Breaker versus the Grizzled Young Veterans. We're also getting Andre Chase versus Odyssey Jones. And Boris, your boy, Gabagool, Tony D'Angelo in action. Two weeks after that, we get, or sorry, two weeks after now, one week after that, Halloween Havoc. We have three title matches announced. First title match, Ciampa versus Breaker. Second title match, Raquel Gonzalez versus Mandy Rose. Spin the wheel, make the deal. And also the women's tag team titles. It's official. Io Shirai and Zoe Stark versus Indy Hartwell and Persia Parada versus Toxic Attraction. Yep. And that's also our one-year anniversary show. Oh, it'll be nice. you got to pop a bottle. Let our bodies waddle. Don't act like sloppy models and possibly hit the lotto. All right, you know what that music means. It is time for NXT UK Corner as we chat about NXT UK, as we like to say, the best hour of WWE TV each and every week. And I got to say that this week was no different yeah absolutely the main event really really strong and this is the final week in the empty studio boris they went out with a bang and we're getting fans back as of next week this week tomorrow yeah by god and we're gonna have the huge a kid versus Ilya dragunov match oh man i just cannot wait to see that with fans yeah, man, that's definitely a sneaky shout for, like, match of the week, match of the month contender. Don't sleep on Dragunov versus A-Kid tomorrow. Yep, all right, so the first match of this week's show was Emilia McKenzie versus Ginny. I am a big fan of Ginny. She, she's a good wrestler. Amelia McKenzie, a really scrappy, white meat, baby face character. Uh, yeah, this was a very strong wrestling match. Seven minutes and 30 seconds it went. Ginny hit, I believe, a new finisher. I don't think I've ever seen her use this to finish a match before. It was like a Rainmaker Liger kick. It was a Rainmaker into a rolling heel kick for a one, two, three. Yep. Your winner, Ginny. Yep, an acid. So this is what I had in my notes. An acid Rainmaker 
Copo kick combo. I love it. I'm yep. wildly for it. Yep. So Joseph Connors tried to get involved. Michael Satamora uh, comes out, makes a save, and then the finish happened. As we said, the Rainmaker kick combo. Ginny wins. How many crumpets, supernovas would you give this match? Three supernovas out of five, safely above average. Uh, it could have been even better if they got a little more time. It was just starting to heat up really nice, and then they went to the finish, but perfectly fine. Three supernovas out of five, 60% crumpet percentage, boys. Yep. All right, so Ginny calls out Michael Setamora. She wants a title shot, and it looks like the final boss is going to oblige. This match is actually going to be a match that I'm really going to look forward to. I think Ginny's awesome. I hope they put this one in front of a crowd. I hope they do this pretty soon in front of people on, on the television show. I'm sure they will. And yep. uh, yeah, it, good for Ginny to get that big title shot versus Miko. Yep. All right. So backstage, Noam Dar with Shaw Samuels is getting ready for his big match later in the show. Uh, earlier in the week, Blair Davenport walks into Sid Scala's office yet again. This man needs a lock or something. Uh, he says she will be allowed <laughs> to. He says she will be allowed to return next week to face Stevie Turner. That's uh, that, that, again another interesting match. Stevie Turner again is kind of like a. Similar to Amelia, kind of that white meat kind of character. I guess she's going to be a strong baby face in this match because Blair Davenport is a monster heel at this point. Yep. And this is when I realized the NXT UK women's division is one of three characters. White meat baby face. Um, you have your supernova uh, celebrity in Ginny. And then... and and and. Um, uh, and uh, what's her name? Stevie Turner. And then you have your witches in Aifa Valkyrie and Isla Dawn. That's, yeah, you're either generic babyface, mean girl fashionista, or, yeah, spooky, spooky character. Yep. Those are All your three characters. All right. A kid, a kid, reflects on his career-defining opportunity when he faces Ilya Dragunov for the NXT UK Championship this week. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what more can you say? Just let's let's go with numerous O's at the end of it. I just can't wait, buddy. Yep. Mark Andrews versus Sam Gradwell. This match, this wasn't a long match, right? Uh, eight minutes, 47 seconds. Yeah, that's what I thought. I, it, for some reason, it felt longer, but not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. Yeah, like, yeah, I know what you mean. It felt like a meal of food. It felt like they achieved a lot in this eight minutes and 47 seconds. Yep. I thought this was good, yeah. Uh, as good as the opener, maybe slightly better. Yep, so grab, Gradwell grabs Andrew's ear. Andrew's kicks him off. Gradwell grabs Andrew's and capitalizes with a devastating fireman's carry slam for the win. So your winner was Sam Gradwell. Yeah, I wrote three supernovas out of five down on the page, and I'm looking at it. I might have underrated that slightly. It might be even better, but you know what? Let's stick with it. Three out of five, 60% crumpet percentage. Yep. <laughs> this actually made me laugh. So Flash Morgan Webster, still playing the slap game, lands a nice shot on Shaw Samuels, sprints away before Samuels can catch him. <laughs> uh, it's really funny, this slap game, yeah. Yep. All right, then uh, it's time. It's kind of getting over with me. It's same here. <laughs> um, it's like that movie Tag, right? <laughs> it's exactly like that. All right, main event time. Who is going to face Tyler Bate 
for the Heritage Cup? We're going to find out right now because it is time for the Heritage Cup number one contenders tournament final as Noam Dar with Shaz Samuels goes up against Wolfgak with Gallus. They did so many twists and turns. They really used the round structure super well in this match. I thought this was this was just a treat, just a brilliant wrestling match. All right. This match went the full six rounds. This match, like you said, it was a lot of back and forth. It was 50-50, but in a good way. Because of the round structure, a 50-50 match like this really works well. And they really kept us on the edge of our seats like i i was invested like in the back of my mind i had a feeling noam dar was gonna win because if he's a heel um you know and bait is a face but you just you never knew that that was going to be the certain outcome of the show and they don't really do bullshit finishes in these heritage cup matches so it's like wow are they really gonna put noam dar over strongly and cleanly over wolfgang like because that's pretty much how they have to do it in these in these matches. And that's what they did. That's yep. what they did. Yeah. Dar got the Nova Roller. One, two, three. He wins, gets a second fall in round six, and he wins the entire tournament. And he's set to face uh, Tyler Bate for the Heritage Cup. Yes, yeah. So I, I thought it was pretty clever. Uh, round three, so round two ends with Noam Dar going up one nothing. Round three starts and immediately Wolfgang hits a spear wins in like six or seven seconds. Like boom, one, two, three. Wolfgang goes up one to one. In round five, Noam Dar is saved by the bell when Wolfgang hits another spear that we've already seen kill Noam Dar dead, but can't get the pin in time. So Dar is fighting from underneath in round six, but he actually does get the advantage, beats the shit out of Wolfgang and just hit, hits him with his move a couple times and wins. And yeah, I just thought this was a great wrestling match. By far, it was the best thing that we're talking about on this show. Oh, by, by far. far. By far. It was so good. These Heritage Cup matches, I know, isn't for everyone, but give these matches a shot. It is a... And give... If you haven't seen one, give this match a shot, specifically the final of this tournament. They did such a good job of telling the Heritage Cup story. They did so much with what, what you can do, like the, the round system and the back and forth, the resets and the different falls. There are so many like different things, different storyline elements you can use, and they did a really good job painting with the colors. Yeah, exactly. Like this show was really well, or this match was really well booked. They used the six rounds. It's very rare that they use the six rounds, so I was happy about that. And the other thing I really liked, and I guess we should have, I should have highlighted a little more earlier, was the fact that you know he beat him with a spear at the beginning of round three. He did it again, but he was saved by the bell again. Just really well booked, really well done. Um, and you gotta give credit. You know, this is all choreographed but the fact that they time these things just perfectly to a t sometimes you know just makes you makes me go in awe on how well trained these guys are and just how they know what they're doing exactly right man and that's it's such it's such a nice feeling to know you're in good hands to watch two professionals pull this awesome this this crazy art that is professional wrestling out it's a feeling that nxt used to give us a lot and we don't get a lot from nxt but brother we still get it from uk and i love this brand i love this match 
four supernovas out of five for the kid Noam Dar. It's an 80%. It's an A. And it has a slight chance of showing up on our list, top 121 of one of 2021 at the end of the year. Slight man. chance. Man, 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 man. That 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 list is going to be very interesting because there's a couple matches over the next week from other promotions that might end up on that list. And we're talking not just AEW. We're talking GCW. We're talking New Japan. And you can catch all of that chatter on BAM because BAM tomorrow is going to be huge because we have... How many G1 shows, Matt? We are talking five G1 shows. Night 12, night 13, night 14, night 15, and night 16, which airs Thursday morning. We're also going to briefly talk about Fury Wilder 3, one of the best fights I've ever seen in my life. We're going to talk about the baseball playoffs, and I'm personally going to give you my NHL picks as well. Coming into the season, Boris, if you want to rip whip up some NHL picks, you can join me on that too, homie. All right. So, you know, there's a lot of ways that you can get a hold of us. Some of the best ways is going on social media, and that's NXT at NXT TLK Podcast. Uh, you can email us, show at NXT TLK Podcast.com. If you want all the merch, go to ballergear.ca. You got all the SNME merch. And then, in terms of shows, listen to the midweek markout. It's already out. You're going to hear about Mark's car issues and stuffed breasts. Uh, we have BAM on Thursday, which we're gonna, we've already kind of talked about. Get There's no old fucks on Friday because there is no dynamite on Wednesday. That's Saturday. Rampage is happening on Friday. So I think over the span of the weekend, we're going to get like three or four shows, including the syndicated main show on Sunday. Awesome. On iHeartRadio and TSN Radio in Canada, man, uh, we're grinding it out here at SNME Radio. Thank you all very much for listening, staying with us. Dragonov versus A-Kid next week on the UK brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah.